0: Hello, beautiful weirdos and dark explorers. This is Natalie. I know that when we listen to true crime podcasts, we generally expect some descriptions of violence, but I want to let each of you know that this episode will delve into some extremely violent acts or at least more violent than detective society is normally apt to describe. Most of the victims are women, children, or the elderly, and crimes of a sexual nature, including rapes, will be discussed. If these crimes are triggers for you, you may want to sit this one out. If they are triggers and you want to listen anyway, just be forewarned. Mike and I are coping by doing shots of vodka for the second time now because the first time we tried to record this warning, it did not record properly.
1: We might be a little rusty.
0: So, (laughs) cheers, Costa.
1: Still, still bad. I mean, it's good because it's a tasty local – I mean, it's good as far as vodka goes. Who makes this? Uh, Civic, local distillery here in D.C. And they do not pay for that spot. But if you make alcohol and I buy it, I feel like I owe you a free advertisement. Unless they're listening, in which case I do not and I – help me out poor, right?
0: Is yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we both are. Um, but clearly, we know how to deal with our problems, With alcoholism. Thanks for listening. Well... and his wife had four sons together and as any parent knows young sons can be a handful their oldest was grown and living outside of their home but the three other sons Linwood James jr. and Anthony were still teenagers like most other red-blooded American boys in the 60s and 70s the boys were full of energy and extremely curious about the world and their parents worked long hours to provide them with whatever they may need they didn't want their sons to go without. The Briley home The Briley house was home not just to the family, but to a collection of pets that most parents would never agree to. Boa constrictors who the boys fed live mice to, tarantulas, piranhas, and a couple of doberman pinchers. The Briley family may not have been rich, but the boys were handsome, strong, and healthy. They generally made their parents extremely proud. Linwood in particular was singled out because of his kindness, but also because most people agreed that he was extremely intelligent. Neighbors described Lin as a considerate boy who frequently mowed the lawns for elderly neighbors and helped friends repair their cars. He spent long hours with his young son and girlfriend, the child's mother, taking them to fairs and other family outings. The boys seem to have had a very happy childhood. Both Mike and I are the oldest in our families, but I think we agree that there's nothing like being a part of a big family, being surrounded by siblings who love you, who fight with you, who cry with you, who get into trouble with you, and then even cover for you. At least that's how it seemed on the outside. The boys once told a friend that the only person in the world they feared was their father, James Sr., which comes as a bit of a surprise because generally the boys were kind of a handful at school. Many schoolmates remember them as bullies who actively made other children afraid. But when James Sr. and their mother separated, the boys had been forced to live exclusively with their father. It wasn't until many years later that prosecutors would discover that even though the boys claimed to be afraid of their dad, it was James Sr. who slept with a padlock on his bedroom door. Not to keep himself from the boys, but to keep the boys from getting to him. In 1971, Orlene Christian, a neighbor of the Briley family, had recently lost her husband. One morning, she had been hanging laundry in her yard when she collapsed. Investigators quickly assumed that the 57-year-old, had, who had suffered from heart problems in the past, just couldn't cope with all the stress. They went as far as to tell her family that they believed she'd died from a broken heart. Her children, though, knowing their mother, who was strong and coping well, begged their funeral director to take a second look at Orlene's body. When he looked at the clothes that the body had come in and the body itself, the director found a tiny bullet wound under her armpit. From where she had been standing, investigators determined that the bullet could only have come from the Briley home across the alley. When they searched the home, they found the murder weapon belonging to 16-year-old Linwood Briley who claimed that that he'd shot her by accident. When asked if he had any remorse, Linwood said she would have died soon anyway. After spending one year in a juvenile facility, Linwood returned to his family seemingly changed. Unfortunately, prosecutors claimed that Linwood had not changed for the better. If anything, he'd only gotten worse. For an entire year in 1979, Linwood, James Jr., and Anthony Briley would hold the city of Richmond hostage during a killing spree that was really just the beginning of this story. In all my time making the Detective Society podcast, never once have I been as truly terrified by my research as I have been while making this episode. I'm Natalie Levy.
1: I'm Michael Costa.
0: And this is Detective Society.
1: enemy they're trying to break us?
0: <laughs> no, they're 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 pretty rad. <sighs> okay, so we have our first sponsorship. Wait, we do? Yeah. I have to record the break.
1: <laughs> we have a sponsor? Yeah. What is it the interview thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Ever wondered what the next up-and-coming writer, designer, or band was? Well, you can be the first to know with thearticlesofantiquity.com. Monthly interviews from the most talented artists around the world are featured on this digital magazine. If you have any interest in being interviewed or writing for the magazine itself, please reach out to thearticlesofantiquity at gmail.com or visit thearticlesofantiquity.com. Thanks, and see you at the site. Also, it's a pretty cool website that I actually checked out the other day. It's awesome, and we're really happy to have them as a sponsor.
1: Okay, the second of vodka. Why did we have the second of vodka?
0: Wow guys, so much going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. First of all, I, I knew it was going to be a terrible one because the last the last about 8 days you been telling me how bad it's going to be for this episode. And then when your intro started so positive, I knew it just was going to go down. It's going
0: to be real bad, guys. Oh god. I got a like real talk here. We were talking about it earlier, and he was like, well, Mike was like, how are we gonna make this fun and entertaining? And like, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't think that we're there gonna is a way.
1: Just dominate this housekeeping section. Just okay, it out of the water.
0: all right. Mother flipping housekeeping. Number one, thank you, thank you, mother flipping. Thank you to our Patreon donors. Are we
1: editing ourselves now? Are we doing flipping? Oh, go ahead. Anyways, I Patreon just, donors.
0: Okay, I like motherfucking
1: Patreon donors. I think flipping I mean, is sorry, nicer. Flipping Patreon donors.
0: Okay, uh, Crystal Mitchell and Jordan, actually, you guys have been amazing, amazing supporters, and we really appreciate the fact that you've donated to us, especially since um, our lives have kind of been up in the air. So that's taking us into part two. Uh, well, number one, your rewards will be on their way later this week. But, second portion of housekeeping, what has been going on with our lives? Well. (laughs) Kind of a lot.
1: Let's see. The end of February, you had the great co-host Alba and Jen in town. Yes. And recorded. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a week after that, we all got sick. Yep. And then my mom was in town.
0: Michael's mom and sister were in town. Yes. Uh, that was super fun. But to be honest, I could not find like 10 minutes to research or record.
1: And we got a recording in there somewhere. Before, the oh, week, before
0: we got sick. Oh, yeah. Patreon donors, we got something fun coming your way. Oh,
1: we even published that. No. Right.
0: Uh, we sat down and watched The Frozen Ground, which is... A film with Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, and Vanessa Hudgens about the Butcher Baker, our very own Robert Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite the... Um, thriller. Is it? It's,
1: thriller. it's got Nicolas Cage, and he's not mailing it in.
0: No, Nicolas Cage commits He
1: this didn't one. show up to write a paycheck. He showed up to tell a story about a bumbling police force and a serial killer
0: super fun anyway so as a lot of you know I'm a quote-unquote design strategist uh, in a city where we are in the midst of our busiest time of the year, and until I can afford to not have a day job anymore, we'll be working around my work schedule, which means slowing the pace of our episodes in the winter and spring and boosting our episode count in the summer and fall. I'm sorry that for now this is just the way that it has to be.
1: It might be, is it bi weekly?
0: Yeah, bi weekly. Um, but. Just, I mean, right now I'm working like 60 hours a week and I can't, I can't also then devote another like 20 hours per episode. Like I, like I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, but actually a lot of research goes into each of these and I'm...
1: The emotional toll it takes sitting around reading these clippings <sighs> for, you know, six I don't hours.
0: know if my liver can take that kind of emotional toll. <laughs> <laughs> Just some nights I... I I don't know what's wrong with me. Does everyone else respond this way? I just like cry. I just like drink martinis. You didn't just cry cry. because
1: we we had some therapy today. What did we do? We had brunch and then we went to mattress stores and laid on mattresses for two hours. Yeah, and then
0: I groaned for six hours in the next room (laughs) where I was like, why, Lord, why? That's
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: Okay. Anyway,
1: as always, we've got more housekeeping. There's more housekeeping. I swear there is. Um, as always, that sponsor. Maybe you just articles of
0: antiquity. They rule. Um, the founder Jen is actually someone that we met when we were living in Los Angeles. She's a freaking beautiful, genius, gorgeous, California child. Um. (laughs)
1: Lost the thread on that one. I
0: I, I, I can't. We're talking about our sponsor, articles of antiquity. Uh, But she's also an extremely talented writer. She's in graduate school right now, and at the same time, I don't know how she's doing it. She is running an online magazine, which is more than I did when I was in grad school. (laughs) Um, So please check them out. Um, they're they're wonderful. We're gonna get uh, an interview yeah, up there interview soon. Yeah, they. Th- th- she was really really supportive when we first started this podcast. And honestly, I. We don't have the biggest audience in the world, but if the people who reach out to us via email or um, on Twitter are any sample group, we have the best fucking fans. You guys are awesome. You reinforce my my thoughts every day that it's okay to be weird and kind of dark and extremely morbid (laughs) um because you're you're all fucking rad they're pretty great anyway let's keep doing as always feel free to contact us at the detective pod on twitter or by joining our facebook group the detective society group on facebook
1: or the secret group
0: um I mean it's not a secret you just have to search it but you you have to request to be added to approve
1: you we are the decider.
0: <laughs> I mean, I am the decider. Oh, I guess. think you made me
1: an admin. Be careful with <laughs> oh, that. Oh
0: well. Um, a- anything else?
1: We're back. I guess. Yeah. Let's do this. I feel uh, like I'm rusty and don't remember what I usually say. Mostly, I've,
0: it's mostly stuff like this. It's
1: mostly this and rubbing my forehead. I'm gonna get wrinkles from the show.
0: Uh, Billy and Rusty are still here. Billy. Doing great. Billy? Hey they, girl. They
1: enjoyed the only snow of the season?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, when I say enjoyed, Rusty enjoyed Billy, hated every minute of it.
0: Hi, Bill. Hi, sweet girl. That's so what
1: happens when you get old.
0: Rusty's hiding under his t- mantelpiece.
1: <laughs> he doesn't like having his collar off while we he record. He doesn't. It's he like really his emotional center. So.
0: I, I started taking it off when we were recording because I all that jingling in the background was driving me crazy, but it's driving Rusty crazy that he's not wearing a collar. No, I
1: don't get over it. He'll learn to cope. Okay. Shots of vodka.
0: So, let's get back to the story at hand, which is, again, legitimately upsetting and scary. So, when we left off, Linwood Briley had been released after serving one year for the admitted murder of Orlean Christian. Again, he was 16 when it happened, um, but it's it's pretty upsetting knowing what happens later down the line.
1: So, at this point, are his parents still together? No. So they're already living with the dad. Yes. Who seems to already be terrified of them. Yes. And he gets one year. Yes. So I okay. Also, like I said, I know this is gonna be bad because you said so much positive things about good old Linwood. Yeah. And let's let's go. Let's do this. Uh
0: so guess what you guys? It does not get better from there. <laughs> um What'd It's they- kind of unclear what went on between nineteen seventy one and nineteen seventy-nine. But we know that the Briley brothers did not inwardly improve during that time span. Two years after Linwood was arrested for the death of Orlean Christian, James Jr., who is two years younger than Linwood, was arrested when he assaulted a police officer and pulled a gun on him while being pursued for robbery. All right. Shit is not going well for these boys. All right.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, ship gone awry.
0: It's unclear how the Briley parents and the youngest Briley brother, Anthony, dealt with the situation leading up to 1979, um, but clearly things did not get better. Most people believe that Linwood and James were kind of the ringleaders in their subsequent crimes, Um I mean, they they call it a gang. They call it the Briley Brothers gang, but it was really just a gang of four people, three of which were Briley Brothers and one of which was a, a teenage neighbor of theirs. Huh. A prosecutor would later say Linwood was the most dangerous because of his intelligence. He said that James Briley was very emotional and volatile, but Linwood was more methodical. In a pinch, he would have ditched the money, ditched the gun, gotten rid of his clothes and then offered to help police in their search. James was much more likely to try to shoot his way out of trouble. As you can imagine, together, that pair was extremely dangerous. 1979, here's where things take a real turn. Where Orleans' murder was from a distance and impersonal. Allegedly impersonal. uh, Yeah, Linwood claimed that he had been shooting at some pigeons and just accidentally hit Orleans. Their next crime would be a big escalation. Now, y'all know me. I'm a big believer that murderers just don't st- stop murdering for long periods of time. Somewhere between 1971 and 1979, I think there something are crimes was going unknown. on. There are, cri- there are victims unknown. So there he, are crimes unknown. That's
1: He's what, 17 through like 25, 26, 27 at that point?
0: Uh, I believe he's 24 when the rest of the crimes occur.
1: And that's at the end of the 70s. Uh, yeah. That's the oldest brother.
0: Yeah. Linwood. Just so terrible
1: name first of
0: all I mean it it's not a terrible name I, I think it's a very um, dignified name and if you see pictures of these brothers they're they're so handsome like they have they all look alike I mean they're brothers but they all have like the same smile their accomplice who joins them Duncan Meekins is 16 at the time of all these crimes and It's just really hard to wrap your head around how, like, I I mean, obviously you guys don't know yet, but let's, let's delve a little bit into what happens during 1979. On the night of March 12th, William and Virginia Butcher were home alone when Linwood Briley knocked on the door. He told Linwood... (laughs) He told William that his car had broken down and that he needed to use their phone to call AAA. But William Butcher's mama did not raise no fools and he asked Linwood to see his AAA card. Well, Lin did not like that. From what I can tell, William and Virginia were a bit older at this point. Um, In 2009, a Richmond, newscaster went back and did a retrospective and it appeared that william and virginia were still living but that they were extremely elderly but that leads me to believe that they were probably in like their 50s or 60s in the 70s so they were kind of easily easily overpowered by linwood who called his brother anthony 21 at the time to help tie them up the two of them begin tearing through the house looking for valuables this is kind of a theme with the briley brothers um, they take they take valuables, but they are seemingly random. They they're not trophy killers. Um,
1: Do they like hoard it or they like hawk it?
0: I, I think they probably hawk it based on the stuff that they take um, from the butchers. They took a TV, a CB radio, and some jewelry.
1: That sounds like valuables.
0: Yeah, they just it, They don't have like a consistent theme, and this will be one of the reasons that they're kind of terrifying. As they're leaving, they douse the couple in gasoline, light a match, throw it over their shoulders and walk out. This is something that Linwood in particular really likes doing. Now here's the one and only beautiful moment in this story. It happens at the very beginning, so relish it now. William Butcher was clearly not to be fucked with. (laughs) Soaked in gasoline, with his home burning around him, William frees himself, unties his wife, and drags them both out, saving both of their lives before police can even show up. Yes, Fuck William. yeah, William. Yes. Billy Boy. Yes. Fuck yeah.
1: She married the right man, by the way.
0: Good for you, Virginia.
1: I mean, like, come on.
0: Actually, there's footage of him. He didn't want to speak with um with the news anchor who does this retrospective. But there's footage of him walking around in his front yard. And William Butcher, if you're listening, you are adorable. If if, if he's still alive, he looks amazing. Very elderly, but still, but still a badass. A Would mess with that guy. <laughs> Unfortunately. The Butchers would be the only survivors of the Briley Brothers' 1979 rampage.
1: You know what? I'm glad we took two shots.
0: Yeah, me too, homie. Uh, 11 other people would follow. None of them would be as lucky. March 21st. not Not even 10 days later, nine days later, Michael McDuffie was shot dead in his home during a robbery. That's really all that we know about this one michael was a vending machine serviceman and there is something about that one detail that's available about him that is so heartbreaking
1: what why is that
0: i I think I just I mean I was a fat kid growing up and so like okay I don't I just had really nice interactions with vending machine guys <laughs> like and in school I like knew our guy like I, I yeah
1: know I that's
0: I don't we, know. There's something about it that just, like, breaks my heart. Have you well, ever met a mean vending machine? Well I've
1: never really met one. Um, yeah.
0: Is this a thing that's very particular Well,
1: to me? no, but you said that in the – have you ever seen the Jim Carrey vehicle? It's, not, it's one of his better movies. The Truman Show. I his
0: have. His best
1: friend in The Truman Show is a vending machine repairman. Oh, no. The, the the ginger guy who's his best friend the one who's like oh, no. Jim Carrey's character I found Truman I found your dad on the bridge in the mist I, I watched that movie a lot as a kid I had to make sure I wasn't on the Truman show <laughs> <So> I was <laughs> in there taking notes on a steno pad it, it was good stuff did
0: you think you were in the Truman
1: show I just wanted to be sure
0: I feel like You think you would know,
1: is what you're going to say. No, I was
0: going to say, what kind of self-absorbed child (laughs) thinks that the entire world revolves around him? The eldest.
1: Yes. You would know.
0: Truth. Hashtag, true shit. Okay. All right.
1: Can I ask a question about the case now? Yes. Before it gets really... Are we going to talk about the eldest brother? Do we know anything about him?
0: Oh, my God. No. The
1: one who's on a I
0: have wrecked the internet trying to find so information. So, this is a good time to, like,
1: talk about this? Because I've want to been wanting to talk about this. You let this, this slip earlier in the week?
0: This Briley brother, if anyone has information on him, he's definitely still alive. James Sr. is still alive as well, I, Okay, I don't want people harassing
1: anyone, obviously.
0: No, okay. I don't want anyone harassing anyone. Do not go find this person and get all up in his face because his brothers were murderers. Just... If there's any articles online, yeah, if yeah. you ever talk to the press, please let let me know, because I Put a have link up. been obsessed H- with trying to yeah. find this guy. Yeah. No, he uh, for, for all intents and purposes, he doesn't exist. Do you know
1: how much older he is, like roughly? Nope.
0: Mm. All that I know is that there is an older Briley brother, and he moved out of state as soon as he could. So something was going on. Yeah. Okay, April 9th, 1979. Hold on to your hats, guys, because this one really sucks. 76-year-old Mary Gowen is leaving the home of a friend who she was babysitting for. The Briley brothers and Duncan Meekins follow her all the way across town back to her home. Then all four of them drag her into an alcove, beat her, rob her, and rape her. Then they shoot her point blank in the head and leave her for dead. According to her daughter, Nancy, she crawled up two flights of steps where her 14 year old daughter heard some noise, opened the door and found her grandmother who said only three words. I've been raped. Soon after, Mary fell into a coma and remained unconscious for 90 days. She died on July 2nd. Her family buried her on the 4th of July,
1: 1979. Did. Fuck. Okay. <clears throat> Did we talk about Duncan?
0: at all we're gonna talk we? about duncan meekins very soon okay. i just want to point out that the youngest of the briley brothers is 21 the oldest linwood is 24 25 duncan meekins is 16 when all of this goes down oh jesus i want to say this now so that people can form their own thoughts about him because i've got some like really dark shit that i believe about duncan meekins Bear with me, folks, because it gets worse from here.
1: (laughs) You're like a sailor sailing onto the great beyond. We'll follow you. Lead us there. It's not going to be good.
0: The same day Mary Gowen was buried, July 4th, the gang noticed 17-year-old Christopher Phillips as he was hanging around Linwood Briley's parked car. Obviously, because they're all psychopaths, they assumed that he'd been trying to break into it. They surrounded him and dragged him into a nearby backyard. There, the three others pin Christopher to the ground, and he begins to scream for help. Because he's a terrified teenager, as Linwood Briley finds a cinder block and drops it onto his head, crushing it and killing him. He was 17 years old.
1: Fuck. Jesus.
0: This is my my whole thing, is that you don't you don't go from nothing. No, okay, excuse me. You don't go from nothing when you're 16 to shooting a neighbor. That doesn't happen. Then you don't go from being totally rehabilitated to eight years later setting an elderly couple on fire, raping and murdering a 76-year-old woman, and then bludgeoning a 17-year-old boy with a cinder block. Something happens in between, right?
1: Something happens before.
0: Something horrible happens in this family. These three boys, all three of them think it's okay to behave this way.
1: Yeah, but it's possible that it just happened in one.
0: And then he he coerced it. That's what a lot of people believe. No, I that that Linwood Briley, coerced, but like A lot of people believe that Linwood Briley was the mastermind behind all of this. And because he was an incredibly intelligent sociopath, he realized that his younger brothers were more emotionally volatile and easily manipulated than other people would be.
1: Well, there's also implicit trust because it's your brother.
0: Yeah, it fucking sucks. So they murder Phillips on July 4th. Their next confirmed killing is on September 14th. And here's the thing that we were just talking about. These dudes were in some kind of frenzy between March 12th and July 4th. It doesn't ring true to me that then they just stop for two and a half months.
1: What do you mean they're in a frenzy? We haven't covered any other crimes in that period.
0: What are you talking about?
1: You said it was March to July.
0: Yeah. William and Virginia Butcher, Michael McDuffie, Mary Gowan, Christopher Phillips. That's five people.
1: Oh, okay.
0: In what, three months?
1: Okay, and then there's no one for 50 days?
0: Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. So, March, April, May, June, July. So, five months. Five people in five months. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, it stands to reason that they there were no other crimes, but I believe that there probably were.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: <sighs> so, let's talk about John Gallagher. Okay. Let's. 62-year-old John Gallagher was a well-known radio station DJ for WXCI. He went... <sighs> This is kind of cute. His um, like DJ name was Johnny G. Johnny G. Yeah,
1: what the, yeah, I can hear it.
0: It's it's actually really adorable. If you look at pictures of him, he's got like Johnny the like G. he's got like very shaggy hair and like very thick seventies mustache. But he's also sixty two, so it's adorable. Nice. Um. So the brothers and Duncan Meekins have actually been looking around town for a victim all night with no success. They pull into the parking lot of the log cabin nightclub in Southford, Richmond and, I'm sorry, South Richmond, and decide to wait and attack whoever might step outside. John Gallagher had been playing with his band when he stepped out during an, inter- an intermission. That's when the foursome jumped him, forced him into his car, and drove him to an isolated island in the James River area. There, Linwood shot him in the head. They dumped his body in the river. And a few days later, it was found floating near the shore. This is the first time that police become suspicious of the Briley brothers. Because they find... i mean, Linwood's been in the system before. And yeah, they find yeah. his fingerprints in John Gallagher's car. But that's it. And they don't have any evidence tying him to any other crimes at that point.
1: Just that when he was 16... 16- he accidentally shot his neighbor.
0: Yeah, and there's also John Gallagher's a DJ. Yeah. Like, there's a total possibility that, like, they were just hanging out and Linwood was in his car. So, next comes 62 year old private nurse Mary Wolfung. Much like Mary Gowan, the four men follow her home to her Richmond apartment. They surround her just outside the door and Linwood crushes her skull with a baseball bat. Then they appear, then they just get into her apartment and steal a lot of her valuables. This is like a common thread with them.
1: Jesus Christ. <sighs> with at 8 now? 7.
0: 7. Blanche Page lives just 2 blocks from the Briley home. On October 5th, 1979, they followed the 79-year-old Blanche to the front of her home where they bludgeon her to death. Unfortunately, Blanche would be the lucky one that night. Her 59-year-old boarder, Charles Garner, was fatally assaulted with a disturbing variety of weapons. These included a baseball bat, five different knives, a pair of scissors and a fork. The scissors and fork were found still lodged in his body. Investigators on scene would later testify that Charles must have fought because it was the worst crime scene they had ever been to.
1: Okay, and do you have... Jesus Christ. Did you see... I got
0: you got nothing me too i got nothing that's why i spent like 15 hours this week just like groaning just being like uh why lord why do Uh, these people exist in the world i know that you feel like you have nothing right now but i'm looking at my notes and this is where i have my third trigger warning for people Cause it doesn't get better. It never gets better.
1: <sighs> okay. Okay. So they. Do You wanna
0: have like a drink break? I we don't, can do a quick break. I don't. We can have another shot of vodka.
1: And uh, articles of antiquity, at Gmail.
0: Oh come on! Don't drag them into this.
1: You're right. We should edit that out. My bad, guys. I don't know what I'm doing. I honestly, I, I can't do a shot. If we can just take a breather. Uh, things like I want to ask. But I just are there more? We do we have? What's going on? What's going on? Where is this happening in Richmond? Is it all in the same area? Okay. Who are they target? What the
0: so fuck? this? I I wanted to save this till a little bit later. All right,
1: all right, all right. Then we'll save it.
0: But part of what I find so terrifying about this crime is that it happens everywhere. These guys don't. They don't have a type. They just make random decisions. They see a person and decide that one. And it happens all over the city, and there's no one kind of person. It's people who live close to them. It's people who live far to them. It's women. It's children. It's the elderly. It's everyone. They have no type. There's just, when I say frenzy, it's a frenzy. And this is what was so scary to the people of Richmond in the 70s. Never heard of these guys. And I've never heard of them. I never heard of them before a listener wrote us an email about it. Should mention it now. Thank you, Ash. Ashley lives in the UK with her husband and she rules. (laughs) Uh, She emailed us like a long time ago and said, you got to look into these guys. I had never heard of them. And they are bonkers. Like how, how? How have I never heard of this group of people? Because hold on, because they do all these murders and then the story gets crazier.
1: Like after they get caught? Yes. Because i that's something I was going to, I didn't know if to ask now or save it, but I noticed you keep saying, and then Linwood, and then Linwood, and then Linwood. But the only witnesses are the other four people or other three people.
0: Yeah, homie. All of this later, remember how I told you I believe some weird, sinister stuff about this guy Duncan Meekins? All of this is based on his testimony of a 16-year-old. Wait, what? Yeah, man. Okay. We're going to take a quick beer break where we go get some fresh beers.
1: Oh, do we even have any left?
0: (laughs) Did you drink all oh, I my don't God, so. know. <laughs> Michael's having like a real issue right now. Um, we'll be right back. <clears throat> so like I said, yeah. it does it does get I know it sounds like it can't get worse, but it does. So, I want to give the listeners a quick second warning because the final attack before the Briley brothers are caught, in my opinion, is the most horrifying.
1: Okay, so let's recap. We're up to eight now. Yes. The elderly woman they just bludgeoned was eight. Yeah. Okay. And there's been one couple got away, try to get set on fire. Yes. And two rapes, one rape. Two? Two.
0: Either way, it's going to get worse. Um,. I just want to say right now, out of respect for the victims, I'm going to keep the details of this crime to a minimum. Um, there's plenty to read online if you're really interested in the details. I just personally try to keep. I try to keep the dignity of the victims intact on this sh- intact on this show. Um, I listen to plenty of podcasts where they're where it's appropriate to go into like the finer details of the crime in this one I don't think that it's warranted okay 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 so like Blanche Page the Wilkerson family lived just up the street from the Briley brothers on the morning of October 19th James Briley promised a judge that he was staying out of trouble while on parole (sighs) that very night he led his brothers and Duncan Meekins on the prowl for another victim. Harvey Wilkerson was living with his 23-year-old wife, Judy Barton, and their five-year-old son, Harvey Jr. Oh, shit. Wilkerson instinctively took his family inside and locked the door when he saw the Briley brothers and Duncan Meekins walking up the street towards them. Judy was five months pregnant at the time. Well, the group noticed and they walked over to the Wilkerson's front door and knocked. Terrified that they would attack his family if he didn't let them in, Wilkerson opened the door. As soon as he opened the door, the gang began attacking the couple. They bound them with duct tape and gagged them and then sat their little boy, Harvey Jr., on the couch. Then Linwood Briley dragged Judy into the next room and raped her. When he was finished, Duncan Meekins continued to to sexually assault and sodomize her. Wilkerson and their son could hear the entire time. When they were done, the brothers covered their victims with sheets. James told Meekins, you've got to get one. Now, this, this becomes important later because, according to Duncan Meekins, he had not killed anyone up until this point. He is also a minor when all this happens. At this point, Meekins took the pistol from James and shot the adult Harvey Wilkerson in the head. Then James Dryel Briley shot Judy Barton and her five-year-old son point blank. Police happened to be in the general vicinity of the neighborhood when they heard the shots. Um, Evidently, by now, they were already suspicious of Linwood. They knew kind of where he lived, so there had been increased patrolling in the area. The city of Richmond was kind of on edge, and they were eager to find someone to pin these murders on. So the police hear shots ring out from an area. They're not sure which home or apartment it came from, but they see the four men running down the street at a high speed. They don't know where the shots were fired, but they follow the, yeah. the four men. The four um,
1: suspicious looking people running down the street.
0: Yeah, but they're unable to arrest them because they're, there's no way for them to know that an actual crime yeah. occurred. The bodies weren't discovered until three days later. Judy Barton, Harvey Wilkerson, and their son are buried in Highland Park in Richmond City. When the family was found, the police put two and two together, realized that the time of death for the family aligned with when they had seen the Briley brothers and Meekins, and brought them all in for questioning. In exchange for testifying against all three brothers, their accomplice, Duncan Meekins, was given a plea deal, which took the death penalty off the table and made him eligible for parole in 12 to 15 years after his conviction.
1: Jesus, okay.
0: So this might be a good time to talk about Duncan Meekins. What we don't know about Duncan Meekins could probably fill more than one book. The prosecution paint Meekins as a much younger neighbor of the brothers who was manipulated by Linwood into participating in this crime spree. But, and this is a big but, I could find almost no information on Meekins either before or after the arrest. I literally could not even find his date of birth but most records hold that Meekins was 16 years old in 1979. This is what bothers me about all of this, is that I did public record searches for Duncan Meekins. I couldn't find anything. I looked online, I couldn't find anything. I looked for interviews. These guys are famous for wanting to do interviews. I could find nothing. There is a lot on the other Briley brothers, but I could not find much of anything On Duncan Meekins, it seems to me and like maybe this is because I'm like super into conspiracy theories. It seems to me like this is a tactical move by the prosecution to restrict access to Meekins as much as possible.
1: Yeah, but they wouldn't have been able to like delete information about him.
0: That's totally true, but they would have been able to keep him from the media for long enough until the media maybe lost interest. Because from what I can tell, Meekins was not an innocent bystander. He was an active participant. He admits to being an active partin- participant in rapes and murders. Here's why I mention this. Until the day that they both died, they were both executed, Linwood and James Dryle Briley claimed that they were innocent of all the charges against them. Their father, James Sr., claimed and continued to voice his concerns that his sons were not given a fair trial because they were black men in the South in the early 80s. I'm a big believer that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, probably closer to what Duncan Meekins testified, but still, I don't, I just don't think that Duncan Meekins is as innocent as the prosecution claimed, and I don't think that 12 to 15 years for rapes and murders, vicious murders, is fair.
1: Well, I don't have any idea what to think now. I had some, hold on. <laughs> <Excuse me. sighs> I thought I had some ideas when this all began. But now I have a question again. Because I keep picking up on weird little things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You said the oldest two brothers were murdered or put to the death penalty. Yes. And they maintained their innocence the entire time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The third brother, who was involved? Not about
0: him. Duncan Meekins and Anthony Briley.
1: Anthony's the youngest.
0: Still incarcerated in Virginia. Anthony... Um, received life in prison without the possibility of parole. Okay. And Duncan um, Duncan Meekins received life in prison with the possibility of parole between 12 and 15 years later depending on behavior.
1: That hasn't come up yet or he hasn't made parole? <sighs> We're going to get to that? Or
0: All requests for parole have been denied. Huh. I want to just note quickly that after the trial, Craig Cooley, a Richmond lawyer who was appointed by the court to represent the Briley brothers in uh, the three trials that they went through, told the media. This seems so crazy. So he's a public defender appoint. It seems insane to me. I would rank Linwood as the most pleasant, courteous and respectful client I've ever had. Bullshit. He could not have been more of a gentleman.
1: I don't believe the Meekins theory because for me that's like the one serial killer story I've ever enjoyed hearing like I enjoy such a weird way to put it but was that the book The Devil in the White City that followed H.H. Holmes and what one theme through that book when using historical sources everyone thought H.H. Holmes was the fucking nicest most polite intelligent man they'd ever met and so I will always that's always like a red flag to me. At the beginning when you were like, "Oh, and everyone said he was a very a really intelligent kid." I was like, "That's a bad sign." Kids are idiots.
0: <laughs> Heads up, guys, if your kids not that's an right. idiot, I'm just saying. He's not okay. I've
1: met some children. I was once a child. I have a puppy. Kids are idiots. <laughs> And so if your neighbors are going, your son, who's eight years old, so intelligent, like talking to adult,
0: be worried. So smart. Seems to really understand people. Very much an old soul. That's a problem, guys. Just be a little concerned. Keep an eye on it. I'm saying. Don't. Anyways. Don't get him any cats. Don't. No kittens for these kind of kids.
1: No, you get anacondas and piranhas. And are we gonna come back to the fucking weird pet bomb you just kind of dropped and walked away from? I
0: could not find anything else about it, but it was such an interesting little tidbit. My story is insane. How how have have I I never heard of
1: it? I I buy into their dad's theory. It's because they're they're black kids in the south
0: it it's not even over it's not even over so number one in 1985 linwood well okay here
1: let's back up so i think the last thing we really said was
0: let's back up the
1: cops come to their house basically now and they're like let's bring you in for questions. okay
0: duncan meekin says i'm gonna rat all these guys i'll out. drop a dime for no, no death out. penalty so with the combination of the trace evidence found at various crime scenes and Duncan Meekins' testimony, Linwood and James are sentenced to death. Because of what was considered diminished involvement in the murders, Anthony was sentenced to life in prison. Again, not the end of the story. Because, Jesus fuck. Both Linwood and James were sent to death row at the same correctional center in Mecklenburg, Virginia. I think. Mecklenburg Correctional Center in Virginia. Yeah, Berg. On May 31st, 1984, Linwood and James lead six prisoners in an escape. Wait. Yeah.
1: Wait, hold on. I wasn't ready for this.
0: Yeah, no one was. During the escape, the inmates took over the death row unit. Both Briley brothers pushed to kill the officers that they had taken hostage- They went as far, and remember the depiction of the crimes that Duncan Meekin gave? They went as far as to douse the captive guards in lighter fluid and were prepared to toss a lit match to complete the action when Willie Lloyd Turner, another death row inmate, stepped in the way of James Briley and forbade him from doing so. Meanwhile, another inmate in the escaped in the escape named Wilbert Evans prevented Linwood Briley from raping a female nurse who had been taken hostage while delivering medication to inmates in the unit.
1: Yeah, I mean I Linwood's the one in charge, not not Duncan.
0: No, I I never said that Duncan was the one yeah, in charge. I'm just saying that it's very iffy. So, here's my issue. It's police in the South, in the 70s, who hinge all of their evidence on the testimony of a 16-year-old who, by all accounts, is very manipulate, like, he's very easy to manipulate. The idea that Duncan Meekins was, like, not even involved at all until the very last murder, I do not buy.
1: Mm. Gotcha.
0: I think that in order to make him a viable witness and someone who is believable enough, they had to at least say that. Or Duncan had to say it. Maybe yeah. maybe it's not the cops. Maybe it's not the prosecutors. Duncan decides on his own, I didn't have nothing to do with this until the very end because I had to. Because James Briley told me I had to. This whole escape is like nuts, number one. And number two, the fact that like you need to be stopped from doing more crimes by other death row inmates like maybe is not so great for you as a human being.
1: But his lawyer said he was such a nice fucking. But his guy. lawyer
0: said he was the sweetest guy. <laughs> it's fucking like I don't. You could fucking lose your mind. Um, <laughs> so the Briley brothers, uh, Linwood and James, split off from the group um, while they're out, escaped but in they Philadelphia. Team up with each other, I
1: assume.
0: Yeah, uh, they escape to Philadelphia where they hide out in the home of an uncle. They are captured on June 19th. So they escape on May 31st. They're captured on June 19th by FBI agents.
1: Sure. The city of Richmond was in an <laughs> uncomfortable situation when they got the news.
0: Uh, you would think so. In October of that same year, the, <laughs> the state of Virginia wastes no time. They're not going to let these fuckers do it again. Linwood Briley is executed by electric chair. Between 1984 and 1985, at some point... A talk show host named Evangeline Redding.
1: Excellent talk show host name. Holy shit. (laughs) Evangeline.
0: Comes in contact with James Briley. Falls very much in love with James Briley and marries James Briley.
1: Well, he's on death row.
0: I'm going to go ahead and just read you a quick excerpt from the Los Angeles Times. (laughs) The honeymoon was over before it started for condemned killer James Briley, who embraced his bride through the bars of a prison cell where the two were married, and then kissed her goodbye. The couple won't have a honeymoon because Virginia forbids conjugal visits for prisoners, and Briley faces execution in three weeks. But Evangeline Redding Briley, 44, of Halifax, North Carolina, said she's happy newlywed nonetheless. We touched through the bars, and I even got a few kisses. Briley, 28, exchanged vows Thursday with the divorced mother of four in a 10-minute ceremony just paces away from the electric chair. As part of her vows, Redding, a former radio talk show host, said, Tomorrow I will walk alone, but I will walk proudly as a woman. I will wear your love and your name. How beautiful your name and love becomes me. March 29th, 1985. Later that year well okay. James would follow in Linwood's footsteps and be executed.
1: What a beautiful wedding. <laughs> who Jesus did they book Christ. Who did they book to cater? <laughs> and do you think the Sounds DJ nicer played than ours? the electric slide?
0: Oh Michael, that's dark
1: oh my god that was unintentional because <laughs> she's gonna get the electric chair yeah, yeah no, I, that must have been subconscious I really didn't
0: think yeah.
1: that yeah I uh um, so okay now when he, I don't she's she's just crazy or is it like to further her no talk show career because now she's I Evangeline yeah no
0: Briley I, I don't know
1: because Briley's gonna put a better ring to it for a talk show then.
0: Evangeline Bri- I don't know no, like, the Briley bad.
1: show or just Briley <laughs> Like Oprah, but Briley.
0: To be fair, murderers seem to have really good names sometimes.
1: Holmes, Gacy, Dahmer. I mean, they're pretty solid names.
0: Stop covering your mouth. We're recording a I a, a feel podcast. Rusty. You're, you're always like mumbling.
1: Holmes, Gacy, Dahmer.
0: Pretty good names.
1: Be- be-
0: Terrible things. people. <sighs> Terrible.
1: Well, but they're covered in the news. <sighs> I've heard of them but Not the Briley brothers So
0: here's something That I've been wanting To talk about
1: This is a good place To do it Or do you want to yeah. wait
0: Why haven't we heard About these guys I'd, I'd never heard About these guys Until Until I started Research Until Ash Emailed us And was like Oh my god Do the Briley brothers And 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 they're nuts There's so much Information there out was there. just a prison
1: break Like Like the show
0: Yeah like what why haven't i heard about these guys and like granted i think i think that because of the part of the country we're from at least on detective society we've covered a pretty i would say like even spread between white murderers and black murderers but there does appear to be something like there's something going on when it comes to race and serial killers that like we're not hearing about the
1: ones that aren't white.
0: Yeah. Like I, I just, and, yeah. and they call in every article that I read about this, they called the Briley brothers gang. These are four people. This is not gang related violence.
1: I feel almost like they're using the gang the way they did in like the old West. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like a bunch uh,
0: of banditos.
1: Well, no, what's, I'm trying to think of the fam- the Jesse, the James, Jesse James posse, the gang Jesse James gang or whatever it's called. And it was like I a guess, but that gag. was still like eight guys. No, that was a lot of guys. Yeah, that's a thing. I don't, I don't get it either. <laughs> but I don't. Know what else you gonna?
0: It just feels like it feels like all of this reporting is like tinged, it's like tainted by by race because well, like yeah, when I wouldn't think... call like.
1: Well, the Manson family. The for Manson instance.
0: family is called a family. Yeah. And the they're, Bradley they're not they're brothers, not even
1: actually called the a Bradley family.
0: Brothers who are actually. Family are called a gang, and I I can't wrap my head around why it's
1: well because of old Duncan.
0: Oh uh, well, fine. But the, just the way that it's written, also in these in these articles, they make it sound like it's gang related violence, and it doesn't sound like that. It just sounds like these guys are sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. And I think like. So I talked a little bit earlier about how disturbing I found this whole thing. And it's it has a lot to do with the fact that I've never heard of these guys. But it also has a lot to do with the fact that, number one, these, this this poor family, these parents, this older brother who – I've never – there's no reason for me to assume that anything bad was going on because I've never heard that before, and I couldn't find it anywhere online. And trust me, I looked for abuse in this background, and I couldn't find it. This family who had these three boys who, if you look up pictures of them, are so handsome. And look, I, I can understand why people found Linwood so charming. They seem like like fine young boys or young men at this point. And all three of them go on this murder spree together. It's just confounding. And then the way that they chose their victims was completely random. It could have happened to anyone. There was no one type of person. I, I actually I found this really, really great quote that I'd like to read. Um... There was no sense of a common killer. The crimes struck blacks, whites, the poor, and the people of better means. They occurred in disparate sections of the city. James and Linwood Briley killed to eliminate witnesses to robberies they committed, but they also seemed to take pleasure in their work. They murdered with such versatility that police initially did not see a pattern. And, like, it just, to me, like... I've been walking the dogs at night recently and just been like because I've been basically researching this over the course of a month, been thinking to myself, like, fuck, it could happen it could happen anytime. It could happen anywhere.
1: Well like, it reminds me of the DC Sniper episode with Arianne. Those started becoming very random acts as uh, well. Like people out at the gas station and stuff.
0: Horrible.
1: Yeah. For I mean, yeah. Because we've done other ones that are more isolated and Uh, I just, for me, it just, it feels like one of these, that Linwood was just, uh, I don't know what the word, I don't know, sociopath, He just, can you be born that way?
0: A lot of the, a lot of the articles I read described him as a ringleader.
1: It just feels like that's what's going on. That Anthony's 21, the kid's 16- He's been and I did the older brother like grow up with his first youngest brother and at some point was like this guy's fucking insane. I gotta get out of this home because I I from what I understand also it's not like one, the two parents both of them couldn't say no. Fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> the state makes you like take care of your kids or face a punish or face a punishment. You, the whole thing about the dad having the lock on his door
0: that for me was the most disturbing. It was the most disturbing detail.
1: That's something out of a horror movie.
0: Was that your father locks his door with a padlock because he's so scared of you, and you're a minor. You're not even 18.
1: And yeah, I don't know. Is that woman holding, hanging her clothes, the first victim?
0: That that was something that I was wondering myself. Like that's
1: the first because, victim?
0: Well, because also you choose to shoot someone. You're telling me that you're not stealing or hurting, assaulting, raping before that?
1: Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know.
0: Which it's, actually- It's reminding me
1: of a TV show actually.
0: Which one? <laughs>
1: The Peaky Blinders. Oh God. Well hold on. The oldest brother is Killian Murphy. He's the only one running the show. Right. The second oldest brother. I mean,
0: he's not the oldest. Yeah,
1: he is. Oh. The second I think he is. Whatever. The other It's been
0: a while since we watched this show.
1: <laughs> but the other brother, the next oldest or the oldest, I think he's the second oldest though, is the one who's got temper problems. It's very oh, volatile. That's true. And the third one's just kind of there along for the ride. And I don't know, I guess the fourth one's Tom Hardy. We actually never got to the point in the show where Tom Hardy shows up. Tom
0: Hardy's not a brother in that. No,
1: but the Duncan, I'm saying. The non-brother component.
0: So at the same time that I've been...
1: Just trying to talk about anything other than these crimes. I know,
0: I know. I, I, I just want to talk about something quickly. At the same time as I've been researching these crimes and, and the randomness of them has been so... was so confusing and unimaginable... something that I have been talking about for a long time has come to the forefront of the news or maybe not even the forefront. It's just been picked it's up by, by
1: nationally, yeah, by national news, outlets. by
0: national news. I've been talking for a long time about the fact that something really horrible is happening to young black kids in DC. I don't know what's happening, but in the poorer areas in Southeast DC, across the Anacostia,
1: young, Mary young Mary. Yeah.
0: black girls who fit a very a very broad description are disappearing every day. Black girls between the ages of twelve and nineteen are disappearing, and I am not kidding about this. Every fucking day.
1: Is it 24 in the month of February or? Can't remember what the numbers were.
0: It, it's, an, it's a number for a, an area that is, what, a mile in square footage?
1: South? No, the whole Southeast, South Anacostia okay, area. It's, it's a five, five, six mile area.
0: 24 girls? Yeah. And And granted, I think that. I don't think that it's that there's been an uptick recently. I think that we're just hearing about it recently. So I did a little bit of research into this. And as it happens, just recently – the D.C. Police Department was given the money to employ someone to start publicizing these disappearances. It's not that they weren't happening before. It's that we just weren't hearing about them. And they finally have the money to employ like a fucking intern or I, I, I don't know. It's probably not an intern. Whoever you are, you're a fucking hero. They have the money to employ someone who is on Twitter, who is online saying, like, have you seen this person? They're missing. And it's not just girls. And it's not just black girls. It's happening to Latino kids. It's happening to boys. They're disappearing so fast at a rate that is really scary. And I... I try try to like talk about it online as much as I can and I'm I've always considered myself like an advocate for victims, especially victims who don't have a voice. And I think that that's why a lot of these crimes, these 1970s, 1980s crimes, the nation didn't hear about because they were either perpetrated by people of color or the victims were predominantly people of color. And I think you're a lot less likely to hear about crimes if they affect minority communities.
1: Well, yeah. Or if they don't look a certain way, I think. I think there's something to the effect of...
0: I mean, this, this With woman, the
1: famous uh, serial killers in this country, they're the kind of people who the majority of the country looks at a picture of them and go, you would never think that guy's a killer. But there's this ingrained bias that if you look at a picture of these brothers, a lot of people will draw conclusions.
0: Well, who was this woman? Papini? What? Um... This woman, Sherry Papini. So, Michael, maybe you don't know because you are not into murder the same way I am.
1: Just along for the ride, really.
0: At the end of last year, this woman, Sherry Papini, um, was kidnapped and she was found alive. She wasn't even found. She just showed up one day. She was walking Walked into the
1: police station and said, I'm Miss Papini.
0: Uh, they, no, she was like found on the street. Okay. But she is white, big blue eyes, blonde, long blonde hair. And her face was on every fucking network in the country. And yet the 24 girls who disappear in the month of February in Washington, D.C. are predominantly black, some Latino. Their faces are not on fucking CNN. They're not on Fox News. And it's outrageous. I feel like I'm like getting like really heated right now. But it, it just... It's so upsetting. It's so upsetting. And it's so upsetting because it's not like the Riley brothers. It's the same girl over and over again. I don't. I know that you can't answer me when I like start. I mean, the attention like
1: brought to the issue recently is hopefully going to help but as far as i've seen the the dc police are on it or they're saying like these happen that most of them are runaways and they're not being taken
0: granted sure there's probably a good chunk of them
1: that's like this and you didn't have the information before
0: there's probably a good chunk of them that are runaways fine you're right but there's too many of them.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's the, too
0: many of them who never show and up. And even again. if they
1: are, even if every one of them was a runaway, then what the hell is going on in Southeast DC that all of them are running out of town? It's not, doesn't make that okay either. Yeah. But it's something that there's been more attention drawn to. So it's a problem. Hopefully that can be moved toward conclusion. And it's not that it turns out that there's some secret group or family, gang, person.
0: I mean, I just think that that Southeast kind of DC. violence or sexually motivated violence, um, especially when it comes to, like, groups, um, but even people working on their own. I mean, that's why I started this podcast is because I, I like, heard one story and then all of a sudden – when i looked into it there was this huge concentration of really violent horrible crime happening in a very very small area the the green vega gang who was basically a gang who went around raping latino women for a long time
1: jesus christ up here yeah
0: here in dc um the freeway phantom who has still never been caught is that the one that
1: copy mailed us about
0: yeah um an officer from um, DCPD recently Metro, emailed think, me right? yeah, um, asking me to cover a case. If you're listening, I'm going to cover it. Um, the Freeway Phantom was the case that inspired me to start a podcast. And I think that it deserves a huge amount of um, mm. research. And if, if anyone knows... <laughs> anyone involved in the case by all means let me know. Um,
1: if the phantom's listening
0: just because uh, I it's a case that for me is so important and so particular to, to the history of DC that I I, I want to do it justice. I don't I don't think that it can be covered in an hour. Um, so that one's coming in the future. Just not quite yet. Um. Anyway, we've spent an hour talking about violence and the horrible- Well, hold on. Let's
1: back up. So, where? we we'll double check. So, yeah. he gets married.
0: Oh, my God. So, now let's circle back to the Briley brothers. He gets okay. married. They so, put, Linwood they put him to death. is-
1: um, He's put to death already.
0: Is put to death uh, by electric chair. And
1: shockingly, Linwood's out of the picture and James finds a- a love in his life instead of murdering and raping people. Um, I'm not saying they're connected.
0: Do you guys wanna hear like one also like crazy detail?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. The
0: executor who um like flipped the switch on, on Linwood, Riley, I
1: heard you listen to an interview with him.
0: He is now an advocate, or he's a proponent of like anti-death penalty legislation. Yeah, he's against, cor-
1: like he's against yeah, capital punishment. He's,
0: he's against the death penalty. And what's so he's, crazy- rationale
1: Is rationale similar to mine, right?
0: Yeah. His, well, like his why I'm against death penalty. Is, like I think he like had doubts about the guilt of someone yeah. he put to death.
1: Yeah. We can never guarantee that the state is only putting down guilty parties. Therefore, you should not put down anyone. You should not, you know, uh, execute anyone. If you can't guarantee that everyone you're executing is actually guilty, then you cannot execute anyone cuz one innocent person being put to death by the state is too many. So there we go. Just had a yeah.
0: It I, I know you did. We were both on our on our fucking soapboxes today. Um, so Linwood is put to death. His executor has come out since then and said that he is against the death penalty. N- next year James meets this woman, marries her and is also put to death. Um Duncan Meekins comes up for parole in two thousand and
1: nine. The second time, I guess. Uh, it's just 15 yeah, years. It, it
0: would have it would have been the second time he came up for parole, but this one was the one that I could find more documentation on, and a lot of people were advocating for him to be released, but he wasn't, uh, including the um, including James Briley Senior,
1: the father of his. his yeah. The, oh, okay.
0: Um. And Anthony Briley has never been released and not really. He has no chance of
1: parole. He's he's got life in prison.
0: Never really heard from again.
1: I mean, I guess that's not surprising.
0: To me, like the big tragedy is just like this entire family.
1: Well, and the city of Richmond in the late 70s. I I, I mean, that's a little further outside the, the reach of what's traditionally the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area.
0: It was just such a crazy. It,
1: oh my god, I can't. Because I mean, Richmond's a big town, but it's you know it's a big town in a, a state with no, no, not a lot of big cities, so yeah, it's still pretty insular when these kind of events happen. I mean, you think about how the son of Sam hit New York City. And that's a huge city by comparison to Richmond. So I can only imagine these kind of crimes that are happening so randomly.
0: And so frequently, they're not like it's it's different victims, different parts of town,
1: different kinds of crime.
0: Eight months, eight months, all of this happened.
1: And I'm on the same boat with you. Like I just, Linwood was up to something from the murder of their neighbor on, or you believe the idea that Mr. Meekins, or I don't know, I just. This one, was, this one was bad. I, you told me this one was worse than Anita Jax. For me, Jax is still worse.
0: You think Jax is still worse?
1: That one for me was more disturbing.
0: I think... So I think maybe because Benita Jax...
1: Benita Jax, yeah.
0: There was... She reached out for help. She yeah. knew that there was something wrong. She knew she had mental health issues... And she reached out for help. And it seems like even afterwards, like, she knew she had done something that was really wrong. Linwood Riley never, never, never admitted to doing anything wrong.
1: I'm sure his response just would have been, die soon anyways.
0: Well, it was really interesting. Um, There was one article that I read that had a very brief quote from um a a psychologist of his while he was in prison uh, do I still have it here we go um linwood it seems does not want to accept responsibility for his actions um, this is from a psychological report that was prepared for him after the 1971 shooting death of Orlean Christian. Um, they basically conclude that he doesn't accept responsibility, doesn't see anything wrong with what he did, and doesn't seem to have a problem with facing those kind of like issues in the future. I think probably a lot of what was going on is that he was so smart and so charismatic that if you're getting that kind of, I guess, validation from society, yeah, you don't really see an issue with having to admit guilt at any point.
1: That you're a monster, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then if you do see an issue with it. You're smart enough that you orchestrate an escape from prison. I think, like, that's another thing.
1: Which halfway through you say, well, on second thought, there's that nurse over there.
0: That's insane. And I think, like, that's part of the issue with, like, the the Duncan Meekins theory is that then there are other people who say, like, actually, these two dudes wanted to do some shit that, like, I was not down to (laughs) do. And I'm on death row. I mean, let's be
1: clear. There are two death row inmates who go, hold on. This isn't the prison break I signed up for, guys. Okay? When I said we'd break out of prison and rough up the guards, I just meant rough them up. And no not, one said rape. who's
0: gonna set them on fire. All right, man? guys,
1: like let's get out of here. I was gonna go get a farm. It was it was gonna be great. i come on. When I
0: I ain't trying to be part
1: of this. Listen, I may be on death row, but like, come on. I just I I can't. Now the more I think about, it, that's driving me insane. The two death row inmates were like, "Hey, Browley Bros, chill the fuck out, guys." It's just a prison break, okay?
0: We're all trying to be real cool about this. Like, we're trying
1: to be chill, and like, we can commit all the crimes we want outside
0: of prison. And you fuckers are really bringing us down. Like, fuck, man. Fuck.
1: Well, what about Bill? Bill who? The one that saved his wife. Covered oh in gasoline. Can we talk about him William one more time?
0: Butcher. And their last name is Butcher, which is like kind of badass.
1: That was like the episode of Radiolab I was listening to today, where the guy was calling the sheriff's cowards, and one of the sheriffs was Sheriff Coward.
0: <laughs> That's true. Well, okay, also, in the interest of March hashtag tripod, so in case you guys haven't heard... Um, for the month of March this year I actually had not uh, heard oh, you're This is news <laughs> to me um, So there's this hashtag tripod Do I have
1: time? Is it even March still?
0: It is March
1: My phone's, my
0: phone's, your phone's dead. dead Great um, So for the month of March Please encourage your Friends, family, whomever To try out new podcasts um, So we're using the hashtag Tripod T-R-Y-P-O-D um And if you haven't listened to it We're both big NPR fans Um, Listen to Radio Lab
1: Oh we're going to plug like the biggest
0: show in the well, game Well okay no but now you can like move Into other podcasts And anything cool you've been listening to Recently
1: Well so I'm really Lame I like history So anything by like Mike Duncan Revolutions or The history of Rome And uh I guess if if we're going to plug the big guys out there, I mean...
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm about to plug. I'm basically going through my podcast. The, the list.
1: guardians football weekly podcast with James Richards. Oh, is, you're
0: so lame. It is excellent. You're lame. That Basta. is the European
1: definition of football though. However, we call it soccer.
0: Okay. So I'm a big fan of the McElroy brothers and the McElroy family in general. So, um, shout out to my brother, my brother and me Sawbones. Those are both on the maximum fun network, but also a couple of indie podcasts. Um, Um, The Already Gone podcast is a really, really great true crime podcast out of the Midwest. They generally cover crime in uh, Michigan, but sometimes crime uh, elsewhere. Um, Let's see... (laughs) <laughs> I'm literally, like, scrolling through my list trying to see if we have any – like, if I listen to a lot of – I listen to a lot of indie podcasts, but I just – I want to plug, like, the ones that I love best. Um, I think I'm a
1: poser. I think all of my podcasts are networked up.
0: <gasps> Michael.
1: Well, think Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, he does his thing independent still. So, does that count? said he's been around forever.
0: Oh, that's true. Oh, I also recently, because of your sister, mm-hmm. Michael's sister, Kelly, um – told me to try out Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and that is actually surprisingly great. Um, What is it? They look at the Harry Potter series Uh um, and read through them as if they were, like, biblical scripture (laughs) um, and analyze them and do, like, some really just fun Kind of analysis around gotcha. Harry Potter in general. Um, it's really, really good. I also have been really into the hilarious world of depression recently. Um, so if I, even if you don't struggle with like mental health issues, um, I don't, I don't think that I do. I just think that a lot of like really cool people um, have been on the show and talked about. Um, Painful childhoods or um, like dealing with depression and anxiety, which is really awesome. I think everyone deserves to have that kind of outlet. Michael?
1: I just, I listen to a uh, boring lineup of podcasts, I guess. It's what I'm learning.
0: Really? I love the
1: ones I listen to.
0: Oh, do you know which one I also like a lot? Um, True Crime Garage. True Crime, True Crime Garage, Garage is really, really okay. good. Um, it's hosted by these two dudes. I follow one on Instagram. That's all I really know about it. They cover a lot of really cool true crime.
1: Yeah, I uh, I got to up my game, I guess. I just have my like five or six I like, which are the ones I really listen to. You
0: oh, know? but Mike and I are thinking of starting a new podcast.
1: We'll keep it hush hush for now. Oh, are you sure? Yes.
0: I don't want to. I already talked about it. Wait. I already brought it up. We have to talk about it.
1: The one we were inspired to do last night? Or yeah. the one that...
0: Wait, which one was last night? <laughs>
1: are you talking about the one we've recorded some content for no, already? Oh okay. No, 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 no.
0: That one's coming out. I'm talking about... So I have this idea. Mike and I are both the children of immigrants. And I personally... Both of my parents were immigrants. Mike's father's an immigrant. Well,
1: technically, both of my parents families were immigrants. Uh,
0: Your mother's family came here on, like, the fucking Mayflower. They're so white toast.
1: Okay, even if that were true, they would... Anyways, go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, But there was a (laughs) lot that I missed out on when it comes to American culture growing up because neither of my parents had any interest in, like, showing us movies or, like, old music. And I feel like revisiting all that stuff that I kind of missed out on as an adult would be really fun. For instance, um, until I was an adult, I never watched any of the star Wars movies. I never watched.
1: adult. You hadn't watched them up until like two years ago. Yeah,
0: exactly. Excuse me. I'm a young adult, sir. I'm a beautiful, delicate woman in her 20s. <laughs> For a it's
1: while. I mean, we got carded at a bar today, <laughs> yeah. and the guy said, I wouldn't be too excited. I have to card you if you look under 35. Like, that was
0: rude. I thought it was rude. He was
1: having a rough morning.
0: <laughs> Whatever. I look like a prepubescent Kirsten Dunst.
1: <laughs> Listen, I love you, and you're my wife, and you're beautiful, but on what planet do you look like Kirsten Dunst?
0: I don't. I'm just trying to she sell She has the widest illusions. futures. <laughs> I was just trying to think about, like, the, like, softest looking person who that would be. Oh,
1: man. I don't know. Bonnie Hunt.
0: <sighs> Good old Bonnie Hunt. That seems like a nice place to leave off. Michael, do you have any uh, closing thoughts?
1: Well, that was awful.
0: It was. It was pretty bad.
1: Um, I just keep thinking of the city of Richmond. Oh God! In that horrifying period.
0: If I prayed, my prayers would have been with you.
1: I uh, I'm looking forward to doing more episodes again. Maybe I'll actually finally get good as a co-host.
0: You're a wonderful co-host. Everyone agrees.
1: Just let me fish for compliments, okay?
0: <laughs> like,
1: jeez, man.
0: Um. Oh, don't forget to rate and review. Subscribe. Oh, actually, why don't we go ahead and open up our review page? Um, Will
1: you get new reviews?
0: We did. Oh, my God. We got quite a few new reviews.
1: Were they like, okay, let's hear them. No,
0: no, no, no. Keep keep talking while I search her Um, name.
1: I actually just noticed our dog sleeping up against a laptop right now. (laughs) Billy, that's how you get brain cancer.
0: Did she just look up?
1: Yeah, she woke
0: up. She heard her name and immediately was like, oh, someone's talking about me? Why, thank you. (laughs) um okay so thank you to elx ding elx ding uh this is my favorite crime podcast
1: come on get out of so here nice. with that
0: i've been on the hunt for an entertaining true crime podcast with cool narrators and i finally found it and jokes on you well, we're not cool <laughs> Um, Chris Don Love the subject and how real the convo is Love this sarcasm That comes out every once in a while Every once in a while Come on Chris Us?
1: Sarcastic never
0: Oh a second Chris Chris K1 just found your podcast a couple days ago And have caught up Waiting impatiently for more That was on March 3rd So I guess you've been waiting impatiently <laughs> for a while Wow and then- Has
1: it been that long?
0: Uh, since the end of February, yeah.
1: When did we record our episode last? Because we were the last episode. No. Yes, we did one after Alba and Jen.
0: Which one do we do?
1: Oh, wait, no, we recorded Frozen Ground. We yeah. haven't released it yet. You've been off the air forever.
0: I know. Guys, I'm sorry that you hate us now. I just, I've been really, actually, I've I've been working a lot.
1: You've been swamped. I know.
0: Anyway, my racket, lots of podcasts cover true crime and do it well, including this one. Oh, thank you.
1: (laughs) So was that review? A lot of people do what they do, but they also do it.
0: (laughs) Okay, that that was the beginning. Um, But uh, then my racket goes on to say, but these guys are a bit different. They're not experts, but they have a passion for their subject. And that comes through clearly. Thank you, guys. This is like making me like real emotional, guys. You I need a good love...
1: cleansing cry.
0: I do. I, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go take a shower and cry in a minute. There was a lot of emotions for the past hour and a half.
1: All right. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> I'll take the dogs out.
0: I'm Natalie Levy.
1: I'm Michael Costa.
0: And this has been Detective Society. Finger gun.
1: It's not good. It's not ruined.
0: It's not good, but it's not ruined.
1: It's true.